0: Hi guys, welcome back to The Right Type. In today's episode, I'll be speaking with Lizzie Huxley-Jones, who is the editor behind Stim, which is an anthology of own voices essays by people on the spectrum. In the episode, we discuss representations of autism in both movies and books, and we talk about the good representation we've seen, as well as the bad representation, and Lizzie recommends some books. Um, that have amazing representation that also by own voices authors and we discuss her very unique publication journey. So Lizzie just tell us who you are and what you do and everything about you
1: Okay, hi everyone, I'm Lizzie Huxley-Jones, I'm a writer and editor living in Croydon I'm an autistic person and I edited an anthology of autistic people's work called Stim which came out on April 2nd which is World Autism Awareness Day although very confusingly I think it's also so world autism awareness week and world autism awareness month depending on where you are <laughs> all the different types of autism awareness uh throughout April
0: and could you just tell us what STEM is about
1: so I got my autism diagnosis when I was like I always get it wrong but I'm gonna say it's 27 but I think it was actually 28 <laughs> I, I was trying to remember to write the intro for this book like when did I get it um But I found out a couple of years before, because it takes a long time to get a diagnosis, especially with the NHS as it is. Um, And when I found out, I did what I always do, which is I read about it. I was like, I want to find out more about what autism is and how other autistic people feel. And so I dove into books. And I started with children's literature, because that's my jam. (laughs) Um, And I started finding a weird like, what's the word? I'm so aphasic. Um, I started to find a weird trend in that um, there was a lot written about autistic people that wasn't by autistic people. Um, And I would find these lists of all these best autism books to read and so few of them were by autistic people um around this time the good immigrant came out and common people i think was funding and a couple of other anthologies and i was like oh do you know what it would be so cool to have an autism one um and i was kind of saying i tweeted it out and i was kind of saying it like i would like to make one but i didn't think i could because i'd just left my job in like communications for a fish charity and i was a working as a bookseller, and I my intention was to move into books, but I didn't really have any, <laughs> like, skills on paper, and so I was like, maybe I can't do this, and then I decided that perhaps I could, and then I got a DM from Julia Kingsford, who then would become my agent, and she was like, you should do this, and you should lead it, and it should happen, and I was like, I'm going to think about it for a couple of months, and then Unbound who are a publisher in the UK who are kind of like halfway between a crowdfunder and a traditional publisher so it's kind of like if you had Kickstarter and then like Penguin at the other end um, and they uh, they had a pitching hour on Twitter and I pitched like you know an autism anthology and they were
0: immediately like yes
1: we, we want it. Um, And so I had to come up with (laughs) um, a couple of people that I wanted in it. And I decided to launch with, like, half the people in it and half the people we would eventually, like, search for through the, like, promotion of that. But my idea from the beginning was always that it would be an anthology featuring work by autistic people that wasn't specifically about being autistic. But it worked out that all the pieces really have this like grain of what it is to be an autistic person in it. So by reading it, you kind of get that understanding of like eighteen different autistic people's experiences um, through it. So that's a very long-winded way of like our whole journey. But um, and it took like a, a whole year to crowdfund because anthologies
0: are expensive to make because you have to pay. You know 18 people
1: who contributed have to pay myself a little bit and have to pay them other people to work on it but yeah so we got it done in under a year I think it was actually it's like was this huge part of my life where I was constantly checking the percentage and then suddenly was over and I'm still
0: a bit like oh my god that's finished that's just so cool and um so many good things you said there like um just the beginning part where you said how so many books are out there about autism and autistic people but most are not written by people who are on the spectrum and Uh it's I feel like it's the same um, across the board for um, people that are marginalised in some way. Yes. Um, mm. It seems like people are like, I'm going to be your saviour and I'm going to write for you. I'm going to give you a voice through me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I see an instant correlation with that and with trans people in that a lot of um, books by trans people are written by cis people. I mean, we have my brother Jessica this year, which... Oh, God. Um, but it seems to ha- be the same sort of rate. I, I was thinking about it last year as well, like, the amount of children's books that were released with an autistic main character or secondary character. I think last year it was, like, three to two were written by not-autistic people, so it, like, still happens, It like, quite a lot.
0: That's just um, so awful. I feel like... um people anyone listening to this (laughs) that is thinking of um writing a book about someone that doesn't share your background or experience um i think you need to just think about who you're taking the story from like publishing is so hard for so many people um especially marginalized people and people are constantly kind of taking um i don't know they're taking people's like chances um so i'm so happy that you were able to do this and that actually moves us on to the next question which you kind of answered but maybe we can go more in depth into it which is the publication journey um could you just take us through your publication journey what made you want to enter i mean obviously we know um kind of your inspiration and um, why you wanted to write stim but um your publication journey in general why you were interested in working in books and, yeah, yeah.
1: When I was a kid, my two, like, special interests were animals and books. And when I was a kid growing up in North Wales, um, no one told me that you could make books. Like, I thought books was a thing that happened that people must have just been given it. Like, I don't know. I thought it was, like, celebrity. (laughs) Like, it happened to you if you were lucky. I just had no concept of it. And so and because my sister had done biology I was like okay animals I'll go do animals and so I spent a little bit of time being a marine biologist and then got too sick to really do marine biology as I wanted to do it as a research diver in the field um so I came back to books and I was like this is probably what I want to do and I'm gonna give it a good pump (laughs) see if I can get away with it um and yeah, so like I sort of said about how STEM got going, really, and I, I picked Unbound who the publisher to submitted
0: to, because they had done The Good Immigrant, and they really got anthologies,
1: but also they let me do all this really cool stuff about equity. So this is a very out-of-date statistic, but it's like 16% of autistic people are in full-time employment and 32% in part-time employment. So, like, we have one of the lowest rates of employment of any disability group. Um, and so, like, in recognition of that, I wanted to have tiered pricing. So I had, like, a low-cost option, uh, a normal-cost option, and then I had an option where, like, non-autistic people bought multiple copies so that I could then give them to people who couldn't afford any of the options. Um Which is why I wanted to be with Unbound, because they would let me do that sort of, like, intense playing around with maths and equity. But that was fun. Um, And yeah, so when I had pitched the idea, I DM'd a couple of my favourite autistic authors who I'd gotten quite friendly with on Twitter. And I was like, look, I'm thinking of doing this. Do you want to be in on it? And then a couple of people whose writing I admired and then I sought out a few other people, and so I yeah we launched with like I think it was eight or ten authors attached. Um, I think one of them was Megan, one of the illustrators actually, um, and then while we were crowdfunding, looked for other people because I kind of wanted to expand out of my own network because I think when you're <laughs> when you're looking for. Um, a wide range of people like twitter is not always the best place because it's your own little bubble um and because i was particularly conscious of like trying to represent different areas of the spectrum in terms of people's experiences and their intersections of marginalization trying to think what else like happened it was such a weird journey because most people's book journeys don't involve like crowdfunding like several thousand pounds to like basically ensure its publication but that's sort of how it happened um but yeah and then it did and now it's a real book um so then when we uh when we hit 100% I had most of the authors, a couple of people had to drop out because their circumstances had understandably changed within a year and so I added a few more people to the roster Uh, and then we wrote it and edited it in, this was like February, March and then I think I handed in the draft on the last day of August, maybe the first week of September, so it was quite Quick, I've done anthologies in less time because I also work for Three of Cups Press um, where we produce anthologies working with marginalised authors as well. We've done three there. And I think the first one we did in like, two months, which is a ridiculous amount of time to produce a book. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was still quite intense to do it then
0: because, you know, working with 18 different authors working at different
1: speeds and on different topics and you have to as an editor have to jump around a lot but it it was really good
0: fun. That's really cool and um, I love hearing about people's different publication journeys because I think I've never heard anyone say the same thing twice. (laughs) Um, Everyone's like journey is so different and it's just important to see that there's so many avenues of getting into publishing. I wanted to ask what are some misconceptions about autism that Uh, you wanted to address? So there's
1: quite a few I mean understandably partly because every autistic person is a different person and experiences being autistic completely differently but also in the media and books we are usually presented with a single archetype of autistic person who is almost always white, male, cis, straight or not interested in anyone at all but usually straight leaning like they don't usually portray queer autistic people even though uh, a larger majority of us are queer than straight if I remember the research right Um, so that's the kind of singular autistic you see who doesn't really represent the wide range of the spectrum because we're all different people and we have all different intersections um, the most common one is like misunderstanding empathy in that autistic people generally are very deep feelers and very sensitive so we might pick up on you being upset but we might not cognitively click what you're upset by. It's like one of the three types of empathy but people misconstrue that to think that it means that we're like don't care <laughs> that you might not be happy <laughs> which is not true and um, you can really easily see the misconceptions about autism if you look up a phenomenal article by Corinne Divas who's an amazing YA author, uh, on disability and Kidlit, and it's called "Autism Voice and Narrative Device," "Narrative Device of Autism Voice," something like that. But basically, it holds up all these autistic books that are written by non-autistic people and you quickly start to realise that they all speak the same and none of them sound like a real autistic person. Um, Usually it's like a character will be in a situation and they'll suddenly start talking about something that's apparently their special interest or they will have something happen to them that would elicit emotion but rather than the writer portraying them as experiencing any emotions they'll do something mechanical like they'll flap their hands which might be true but they would also be experiencing overwhelming feelings they might not be able to put a word to which feeling it is because a lot of us struggle with that but there would be a feeling (laughs) you know (laughs) like all people feel feelings um and those sort of things like crop up again and again and again in this really strange way. There's almost always a parent that doesn't get the autism as well. That's classic trope. Um, but those sort of misconceptions proliferate through kidlet in particular, and you see them a lot. Um, and those were the sort of things that we kind of wanted to dismantle with stim. Like There's a really good essay, for instance, talking about special interests by nell brown and it talks about how you know special interests aren't necessarily a bad thing they're not always a great thing either because sometimes you can get so sucked into something that you can't stop reading about it or get on with other stuff but in books by non-autistic people they're like unanimously presented as bad things even though as i said before my two childhood special interests led me to two wildly different careers (laughs) um So I personally think
0: if you, you know, can put your time into them, they can work out
1: well if you become interested in something useful. One of my last special interests was in these, like, fluffy llamas that you get from claw machines in Japan, and I started getting very into like which were the real ones and which were the fake ones and how to tell the difference it is not a useful skill at all but it occupied me for like three months (laughs) and sometimes it's like that (laughs) sometimes you'll become interested in something very useful and sometimes it will be fluffy llamas (laughs) my childhood encyclopedic knowledge of animals has done me really well but then you know like the llamas just annoys my partner because, you know, every few months a new one will turn up and he'll be like, oh God, it's another llama. <laughs> Someone reminded me of it the other day and I went on my, the old website I used to get them from and it shut down and I was like, this is probably the best thing that could have happened in this situation.
0: <laughs> so the next question uh, is, What are your favourite depictions of autism in literature, film and television?
1: So I'm gonna stick mostly with literature for this because I really think film and TV are further behind I I think that's partly because books written there's more books written by autistic people happening now rather than autistic-led TV shows um so I've got a couple of favorite depictions one of them is Grace from the State of Grace by Rachel Lucas this was one of the first YA autistic books that I've read um I think it was like pre-diagnosis still for me but when I was like feeling out and everything and there's just a moment early on where she says that she feels like everyone got handed a book of like how to understand day-to-day life and they forgot to give her a copy and I was like that is it (laughs) that is exactly how I feel (laughs) like I feel like there's just sometimes something missing in like when people talk about social customs or work customs. I'll just be like, but why? Why has that evolved? Why does that happen? Um, so that's one of my favorites, and I really love it because it's a, a really quiet book, and I I really love quiet books. Like the drama is about a horse that she rides when she shouldn't be riding, and like falling in love with a boy. Oh, it's so cute. Um, and then there's a really nice moment in Forever Neverland by, I always say that wrong, like the Netherlands, Forever Neverland <laughs> by Susan Adrian, um, which is about a brother and a sister who go to Neverland. Um, and it's this really cool idea of Neverland that Neverland looks a little bit like what you take with you, And Fergus, the autistic boy, has a book of greek myths in his backpack and so neverland changes to be have all these greek myth like moments in it it's really 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 cool and everyone should read it but there's this really touching moment where he's like climbing through like a hollowed out tree i think it is and he just like pauses for a minute and he's like this is so calming and dark and quiet and i'm gonna come back here if i get a bit overwhelmed and i was like that is it like i personally love hiding in small spaces um another author dr camilla pang who had an autism memoir out last week called explaining humans she talked about how she used to like climbing inside cardboard boxes which i also used to do as a kid um and so when i read that moment in this book i was like oh yes that's it um And then the other two that super spring to mind are um, Do You Know Me by Libby Scott and Rebecca Westcott and A Kind of Spark by Elle McNichol, which is out in June. Um, The two of them both feature moments of two autistic people together, which you, like, never see in media ever, even though we all gravitate to each other. Like, when I got diagnosed, my uh, assessors talked about the domino effect, so that, like, because autistic people tend to recognise a similarity in how we talk and think and our passions, that we gravitate towards each other. And so if one person gets diagnosed, like, the whole group might. And those autistic friendships are so important for, like, having someone who just gets you on kind of every level. Um, And I'm just so excited that now that exists in children's literature. Like, there's two examples of that. That have just come out this year and that's oh, that's my one of my favorite things is because that's like showing true sides of being autistic.
0: Um, that's just so wonderful. Um, two things. One is that the way you described how like you felt seen, I feel like people really underestimate what feeling seen does to someone. Um yeah. after especially not being represented well for so long. Um, and that's why own voices representation is so important to like prioritise in publishing and also in media in general. Um, and I've noticed that TV is, um, horribly behind, um, and actually I started reading uh, a kind of spark. I was crying. It's so beautiful. Oh my God. It's amazing. And actually like, um, you know, the first chapter when uh, her teacher's like telling her off, um, yeah i was just like oh my god i was just like crying because like i'm dyslexic and i remember like when i was younger and like a teacher was shouting at me and i was just like this is really really sad and so many teachers are so they don't understand like children and i don't know how to talk to them but yeah yeah, it was just really really lovely and i'm so happy that it's coming out and i love what nights of are doing
1: yeah me too they're just my favorites
0: and the last question is what do you want people to take away from reading STEM?
1: So I think the main thing I want people to take away from reading STEM is that autistic people are extremely talented and deserve a, a space at the table and we deserve to speak for ourselves. I mean, you know, that even this week there's been things in the newspaper where it's articles about autistic people written by non-autistic people that make recommendations that, Don't apply to autistic people and you know I think people don't realize that being autistic really is a it it affects everything you know it affects how I experience the light that is on right now I can hear my tv because it's on standby so I can hear the electricity you know I can hear the sound in the background I'm wearing soft pajamas but like they're a little bit scratchy because I didn't use enough conditioner and so I'm constantly thinking about that and just those things add up to then, <laughs> that's just like the baseline of my existence. And so it really, being autistic really does affect how you think and perceive and explore things. And so it's really important that we get to speak for ourselves, but also particularly speak to the young children who are eventually going to be autistic adults. You know, like a lot of autistic a lot of parents of autistic children don't know many autistic adults and so it can sometimes be hard for them to envision what their child's adulthood is going to look like so I think it is on those of us who want to be those kind of spokespeople to speak to those children and be like you know here's a nice story that (laughs) represents autism the way you know it and where autistic kids get to have adventures and have fun and I think those are, this, this is a very meandering answer but I just really care about this I just want people to recognise that we have our own ideas and we have our own thoughts and feelings and that they're really valid and should be respected because we're pretty great
0: <laughs> Thank you so much um, for that and thank you so much for being on my podcast today, um, where can I already find you online and uh, like your social media and your website I'm
1: on Twitter at Little Hucks where I'm often very gobby or talking about my dog or taking photo- bad photos of books to make book recommendations which I also do on Instagram where I'm also at Little Hucks I'm going to try and do some more Instagram lives over the next few months maybe with some other autistic authors um, I might possibly being, be being too ambitious with myself but I'm on Instagram a lot more at the moment uh my website is com, and i think that's pretty much it those are the main places you can find me or my animal crossing island that's (laughs) that's, uh, the only places i exist
0: (laughs) and thank you so much for being on the podcast i always like to ask people to kind of um like finish with like any last words you want to leave with the listeners
1: If you haven't read anything by an autistic person, make that the thing that you do this month. Because it's technically Autism Awareness Month, I think, (laughs) like I said before, like somewhere in the country or the world it is. So, you know, use that as a reason to find out. Because I find a lot of people don't really know anything about autism beyond Rain Man, who wasn't actually based on an autistic person. Despite what everyone thinks or thought, then. Um, So make that your April resolution to read a book by an autistic person.